The planet's puppet masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close just How's it going, Higher Side Chatters? From sunny San Diego, I am Greg Carlwood, and today we're getting deep into the vaccine topic, something that I actually think is very serious and isn't talked about fairly nearly enough. It can be a pretty polarizing and emotional subject in some ways, like the abortion issue, because both sides are really just trying to do what's right for their family and the health of children who are pretty defenseless. So I get it. I do. But if you've adopted any part of the anti-vax script, you have to be honest and say that you really don't know what's in those shots. You are putting full blind trust in the CDC and the handful of corporations that make them. That is your choice. But unless you're in the industry, you're being disingenuous if you say much more than that. And I think this is an issue where a lot of us should humble up. But the other thing is that at its core, it is more about Do we trust these particular institutions and companies? What's their track record? Do they have a history of manipulating data? Have there ever been cases of widespread injury due to something they've manufactured? Have they ever put profit before the health of the customers that put their trust in them? And I don't think most people will like the answers to those questions if they do some real digging. Every pharmaceutical commercial we see on TV is littered with side effects, even for medications fully formed adults would take in a pill form. Yet when we're told that inoculations injected into very young and still developing bodies under the skin are 100% effective with zero side effects ever, is that even a reasonable thing to put our trust in when we look at the wider industry as a whole? And if you look at the trend to make vaccines mandatory, to eliminate choice and sanctity over a person's own body, how could we really ever be okay with that? On principle, should we really give that type of control over to anyone? especially when they're legally bound to the profit motive in the case of these corporations, as far as I'm concerned, that alone is a conflict of interest. But we're going to get this thing started before I start repeating myself too much. I only wanted to say that this show does clock in a little bit on the shorter side. My guest, James Grunvik, to my knowledge, really is not used to such a long-form interview, but he wrote a great book about a really interesting saga that exposes the serious lack of integrity at the CDC and his family has been touched very personally by the vaccine issue, so I appreciate the willingness to participate in my sometimes draining show structure here, with a podcast name that's not exactly serious, and his dedication and commitment to doing the research required to become a truly knowledgeable activist for something that's injected itself into his life is pretty inspiring, and I think it does deserve quite a bit of respect. That said, let's do the damn thing. Vaccines, autism, and fraud at the CDC with James Grumbin. Enjoy. They built a little empire out of some crazy garbage called the blood of the exploited working class. But they've overcome their shyness. Now we're calling them your highness And the world 
Fireside Chatters, we know by now that the world is largely run by the entrenched power networks of unseen hands. And whether we're talking about media, money, education, or medicine, we find that there will be a small group of corporations, think tanks, or institutions dominating their slice of the conspiracy pie, and that's no accident. It's something we've seen time and time again, and today we're going to hone in on medicine, or more specifically, the CDC and vaccine safety, because we've all received the constant ear-beating from corporate media, scientific institutions, and establishment medicine that rigorous testing has proven without a shadow of a doubt that vaccines are completely safe, and the whistleblowers on this issue have been thoroughly debunked and disbarred. But I, for one, get very skeptical when it seems like every person I encounter is aggressively reading from the same propagandizing script, and you should too. So to set the record straight is today's guest, author and investigative journalist James Grunvig, who didn't just take their word for it, but instead dug deep into the data and long history of corruption, which he lays out in his new book, Master Manipulator, The Explosive True Story of Fraud, Embezzlement, and Government Betrayal at the CDC. It's a fascinating tale that will blow your mind more than once, and I'm psyched to get into it. James, my man, welcome to the higher side. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You wrote an amazing book, and I came away with a lot of suspicions confirmed and feeling way more knowledgeable about a pretty complex situation, but it seems like you've written on a pretty wide range of subjects. What made you decide to tackle this particular issue? I have an autistic son, and he's one of the, the original 5,000 cases that were kicked out of vaccine court hmm. due to thimerosal poisoning. He has the inability to collate metals, so he got you know his all his inoculations back in 2000, 2001, 2002. And the thimerosal was never able to leave his body. And by two and a half to three years old, he uh, became autistic from it. He's a regressive form. Mm. But it's clearly, in my, my opinion and in my research, it's definitely thimerosal from vaccines causes autism without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I am sorry to hear that. And obviously you have a really deep and personal connection to this story. Your book comes locked and loaded with an introduction from Robert Kennedy Jr., which is impressive. And he comments that as an environmental lawyer, he knows firsthand that statistical studies and scientific reports can be twisted and fixed to provide really any conclusion they're looking for. And this is a big part of the issue, right? It's something people need to be aware of really across the board, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Bobby, in fact, with Robert De Niro, the actor, just launched a new project called World Mercury Project. So you go to worldmercuryproject.com online, you go, go learn about it. So he's a true champion on, in this space of thimerosal, particularly in mercury and how it's damaging uh, you know, generations of kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the problem kind of right from the start in your book, isn't it? The CDC seems to be looking for someone to provide studies that give them the conclusions they want, which is that there is no link between mercury-based preservatives like thimerosal and the rise of autism, regardless of what the truth seems to be, right? Right. So what, what inspired me really to write the book was in 2014 when CDC scientist Dr. Bill Thompson basically was, I guess, outed would be the word for it as a whistleblower. And uh, the tapes were recorded by Brian Hooker and Andy Wakeful you know, brought it out. And that inspired me to dig deeper into the Danish studies. So you know, if you look at Dr. Thompson, he's the domestic fraud at the CDC. The international fraud is it ends up in Denmark. And I'm being a first generation Norwegian American, having spent uh, four or five summers over there working with a lot of Danish people. I knew the culture very well, and I decided this is something I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And if, if anybody's wondering about the connection between the documentary Vaxxed, which is popular, and your book, like you said, Dr. Thompson is kind of the focus of the movie Vaxxed, which is the 
American side of it. And then, of course, your book focuses on this other scientist who was working on helping to fudge the data in Denmark. Yes, he was, I guess, the right place at the right time if you're from a point of view of the CDC. He came over in 1999, right before the Simpsonwood meeting on thimerosal, before the aluminum secret meeting in San Juan, Puerto Rico, three weeks before that on aluminum adjuvants. And Thorson was one of the, what he called visiting scientists. They have, I guess, visiting scientists from around the world come to the CDC as part of a program. And so he was there and he ends up with a girlfriend named Dr. Diana Shandell who now works at Thorson's old university in Denmark, if you believe it, after 20 years of CDC. And they became a couple and together they were able to raise a lot of money because the CDC needed to have studies to basically make MMR, you know, part of the vaccine autism issue and thimerosal will go away. And in Denmark, they spent up to eight or $10 million to basically come up with fraudulent studies, which is quite amazing to think about it. Right. I mean, there's so many people I'm sure who the first kind of thoughts about this, especially when I talk to critics is it's impossible. There's too many people involved. The story would be way too big. And what are you trying to say that they're poisoning us? So a lot of critics just think it's just like too big of a story. But I mean, here we are. Well, so what I liked about the book and the research, well, I guess the research surprised me when I dug deeper is, you know, Paul Thorson is the main mask manipulator, but there are others in the book. There is a CDC ultimate manipulator, Dr. Julie Gerberding, who's now the president of vaccines at Merck. There is Colleen Boyle, who's still there, which, believe it or not, she was a principal investigator for Asian Orange studies, the fall studies the CDC did there in 1980s. And today she is the director of the NCB Triple D, which is the National Centers of Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities. So basically she's in charge of the American Children's Health. The person that's basically behind the fraud, Agent Orange, and behind the fraud on thimerosal and MMR, she's in charge of the kids today. And hopefully Donald Trump will do something about it. <laughs> right. That was going to be one of my questions for you because you do have a quote in the book where you say, but like all things Paul Thorson underestimated over the past two decades, the U.S. might just extradite him one day with a new president in 2017. And now that the election is over, I mean, what are your thoughts on that possibility? Are you a little more hopeful? Oh, I'm a lot more hopeful. I uh, can't tell you what I'm doing exactly, but I'm working with a team of six other people. They will remain nameless. We are already making a move in the direction to Donald Trump directly to his family. And hopefully he'll give direction to AG to go extradite Thorson. And then from there, I'll, I'll, write, a, I'll write a sequel to that book if that happens. Mm. So, yes, it, it is a, a complex, tangled web. There's a lot of people involved. And I want to definitely get more into each of these people because they have sketchy things in their history that just opens up a bunch of cans of worms. But to get into the Marisol, is there anything more you can tell us about this preservative, the Marisol itself and who makes it and its history in vaccines? Yeah. So Eli Lilly invented it back in the late 1920s. And if you look at the history of autism, autism was first identified in 1943. So if you think about children getting vaccines with mercury in the early 30s, when by the time they hit, you know, their puberty years, they found eight or nine of them with autism. And that's what started this all. The reason why we see such an increase in autism epidemic today, as opposed to the 1960s when I was growing up, the number of vaccines and booster shots is something like 69 
or 70 over a kid's first 18 years of life mm. with a lot of them stacked up at pregnancy for the flu shots with thimerosal, birth shot, hep B. And then there's a whole bunch of them. And no safety studies have ever been done like if three or four different kinds of vaccines are given at one time, what would, what would that do to a child? And no one, no one knows exactly what it does, right? right. So there's no studies in that regard. Hmm. So on, on thimerosal, the reason why Denmark was picked because Denmark banned thimerosal. They banned it in 1992. Mm-hmm. It, it was enacted in 93. And they also have a health registry, a Danish registry of like the 5 million citizens there. And so the CDC thought like, let's go back and not do safety studies, but let's just go back and back test data. Mm-hmm. And that's all they did. And in doing so, though, there were different ways that Denmark, you know, identified autistic kids from the early 90s to the late 90s. There are different parameters. So this, they kept fudging with the data, manipulating it. And then Colleen Boyle is an example in one of her emails, which, you know, was released on the Freedom of Information Act letter, FOIA. She basically said, what happens if we get rid of the 2001 data set an entire year? Well, what happens is you flatline, you, sh- you show no association between autism and vaccines with thimerosal. And that's what they did as an example. Right. And there are obviously many ways that this data was fudged and it was in multiple studies that it was fudged. But yeah, I, I found that to be really insightful, especially there's also another part of your book where you, here we go. Apparently, when it comes to Boyle helping to fudge this data, they come to her and say, hey, we got some uh, data that doesn't show what we want to show. How can we kind of tweak it to make it better? Yep. And uh, she came up with seven points. And point two reads verbatim, since most of the diagnoses are generally not picked up until the second or third year of life, had you considered eligibility criteria of at least 18 months or two years? What happens if you do this? You know, kind of subtly suggesting if you just widen the scope to beyond the years in which autism is diagnosed, you're going to get a lot more negative results, which actually like, you know, help suppress the spike in autism when connected to this vaccine. It's, it's, it's stunning, actually. I mean, the whole idea behind a scientific study is to come up with, I guess, what you call your scope. You know, what what are the parameters for a study and actually adhere to those standards, right, to that, to those limits. And when you start playing with the data on the other side, it, the entire study is actually worthless at that point, completely corrupted. Mm-hmm. And that's something the VAX documentary gets into is there is rigorous protocol for this type of thing. And you're supposed to upfront lay out exactly what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Correct. So that there is a paper trail back to your original intention And if anything deviates, now there's accountability because here was the plan at the beginning and then here's where we got to at the end. And so any deviation there, I mean, that's a a serious red flag. And here there are many. And so not only is it many, right? It's like uh, playing football. And if you don't like to score, you know, give the other team five downs to get a first down, right? So so you change. it's absolutely crazy what they did. But I guess a bigger part for me is they go back and back test data because they wanted to fast track this they wanted to basically dismiss this issue as quickly as possible so that's why they did it they never really done a true vaccinated versus unvaccinated study as congressman bill posey has asked for from the cdc they've never done that mm-hmm. and that would be you know the placebo versus the thimerosal would be one study as an example placebo versus mmr vaccine is another 
And it's, it's quite amazing that these studies have never been done. Right. It, it really is. And that, that is a, an important point. If people are skeptical of that, they say, well, how could there not be any tests between vaccinated and unvaccinated kids? Like you said, this guy Posey, he had Colleen Boyle under oath in front of Congress, and he asked her point blank, and she, of course, wiggled out of it. So he had to ask her a second time, yep. said, are there these studies? And she had to mm-hmm. say, because she's under oath, she said no. Because what they do in the studies is they apparently test for vaccinated kids who are going along with the pre-approved time scheduling versus kids who get the vaccine late. So there's no kids in the study who don't have the vaccine at all. It's just, did they get it at 18 months or did they get it later down the road? And of course, the trend still shows that if you go with the schedule that they give out, your risk of autism increases. But the gap would be so much wider if we had non-vaccinated kids in the study. Absolutely. It's quite startling, mm. that part of it. So it was interesting about Thorsten. They got, you basically got to hire a pirate to go do your studies. Eventually, he decided to put his hand in the cookie jar and reward himself. Mm-hmm. So I guess they never expected that to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is a whole can of worms in itself. But to get back to the Marisol a little bit, Yep. It's multiple countries around the world have banned it or taken steps to remove it from rotation. I mean, correct. This is known around the world, just not in the American bubble, it seems. So the UN in 2013 basically banned mercury and cosmetics and everywhere, banned mercury from everything. And the United States didn't want that. The big pharma vaccine maker says, no, no, we can't have that. You got to leave thimerosal alone. So they made an exception for thimerosal in the United States. Mm-hmm. basically they're banning mercury from everywhere except here. Right. And so since we talked about not having those studies that show rates with kids that aren't vaccinated, is there any way we could look at autism rates in these other nations and kind of get some kind of hodgepodge together data? I, I think that's something I'm going to look at. There are a couple of things I'm going to do. One is I'm going to estimate the, the cost to society of all these millions of kids who are eventually going to grow up and need adult care. Mm. I'm also going to estimate the cost on the other side, which is their removal as productive members of society. So you're not only losing, not only going to cost society healthcare costs, right? You're also going to lose all these potential Steve Jobs and Bill Gates people out there because they never have an opportunity to grow normally. So you're going to lose, you know, two or three million kids who are not going to be part of society, and part of the economy, part of the market, part of the innovation. It's amazing the damage this is going to cause. Yeah. The scope of the damage and the cost is pretty insane when you think about it. I mean, it it really pales in comparison to uh, the people who have been killed by terrorism in the last decade. Yep. I mean, this is a lot of people and it's very, very sad. Yes. No, I I agree. And the other thing I want to do, which is your point, I've not done it yet, but I'm going to do it shortly, is to look at thimerosal and vaccines, right? I want to look at United States, UK. Japan, Denmark, and maybe one fifth country, and and just take a look across the board to autism rates. What are the vaccine schedules? So on and so forth. Denmark does not have all the vaccines the United States has. It has one third of the vaccines, and their kids are, are totally healthy. Mm-hmm. They're not dying from measles or anything else like that. So it's it's a lot of stuff's blown up a portion by American media, which is paid for by big pharma, which is part of this. Basically, when you talk about a rigged system, Donald Trump was talking about this is the rigged system right here. Mm-hmm. The CDC is definitely the rig system. Right. 
it gets to be a slippery slope because when I try to talk to people about vaccines and I'm facing resistance, I say, look, I don't doubt the science of vaccines. I'm not here to debate the science of it, the merit of it as a, a protection method in itself. Yep. But I don't trust these companies who aren't doing enough testing and they're only for profit and they're very um, tight lipped about everything. Everything's proprietary and really off limits from public scrutiny. And that's the problem is the amount of vaccines. And even if like we talked about the increased rate of vaccines here in the States, I mean, it's exploded like crazy. Even if there were only like, let's say now we get close to 70 vaccines, even if 50 of them are just water. I mean, these companies are incentivized to give more and more and more because they can charge for it. So where where are they going to stop? There is no line. So I'll give you an example. You know, my book was published in May, and I really started getting into, into the Zika story until June, a month later. So I started looking at a, a lot of research in Zika. I'm part of two different groups of scientists online, you know, pools of 90 and another pool of 200. And we share a lot of information. So as a journalist, I share a lot of information with them and vice versa. And I was able to interview doctors on the Zika, and I realized Zika is just the next CDC boogeyman so they can make vaccines out. They don't care about treatment. They don't want an off-the-shelf treatment which was actually discovered at Florida State University. None of the mainstream press covered that back in September. They basically, they, they found a tapeworm antidote. And if you think about where Zika comes from, you know, the equator, Africa, right, Uganda, and you think about what your tapeworm comes from, same geographical region, it actually makes a lot of sense. Hmm. So they've already come up with this, but nowhere, if you look up tapeworm antidote Zika virus, you're not going to find it on the mainstream press hole. It's never covered. You have to go to Florida State University and go see it and some other blog outlets and media outlets for it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's stunning. And there's another one being invented in Westchester County. I don't know about it yet, but I've, I've been tipped off to a, to a doctor's inventing something, another treatment for Zika. I'm going to find out in the next month or two. I'm going to go interview him up in Westchester and break that story. Mm. And I, I just, I, I find it stunning that we've given billions of dollars for a virus that basically is not spreading the way it's spreading. Microcephaly has never left Brazil. There is microcephaly in the United States from toxins and from other issues. But as far as microcephaly falling Zika, it hasn't happened. Right. This is a CDC overreach. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And there are other people in the alternative media who take it even steps further saying, where did Zika come from? I mean, what is the CDC really working on? What is the Gates Foundation really working on? And some people think that they're engineering things in a problem reaction solution type of way. Yep. And that's where, I mean, that's pretty nefarious. That's You can't claim ignorance on that. No, no, no. It, it's, it's incredible. Also, if you look at the timeline of Zika 2012, 2013, well, before Zika really started in Brazil 2014, the microcephaly, whatever, you look before those two really start showing up. You had the GM mosquitoes, right? The genetically modified mosquitoes. You had a different kind of larva side down there. And you also had this post cell DTAP vaccine that was given to pregnant poor women in that region. So I'm wondering if this whole Zika thing is a cover up A for that and B to make more money. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yikes. It is a yikes. So is the microcephaly in these babies caused by a vaccine made by GSK's subsidiary in Brazil? I don't know. I don't have the evidence on it yet, but I'm definitely looking at it. Wow. Oh, man. So we hear these terms like MMR and thimerosal, and it can be 
complicated for people who might not have studied this stuff. Is it thumerosol that is in the MMR vaccine that makes it bad, or is the MMR vaccine a separate issue? It's a separate issue. And the expert on that is Dr. Andy Wakefield. And I've, I've met Andy several times. I've known him for a number of years. He's the expert. And in the movie Vax, he, he makes it very crystal clear that if the CDC just changed the vaccine schedule a little bit, break up the MMR, number one, into three different shots, delay it until the years two and three as opposed to one and whatever, 18 months, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You would reduce the number of autistic kids in the United States by, you know, like a factor of 10. It's stunning. Hmm. Right. And that's because the MMR vaccine stands for measles, mumps, rutabella, three different viruses. They put it into one syringe and give it to children. And he's saying that if you just gave it in three separate doses, we would have a huge decrease in these rates of autism. So the CDC, it seems like they know what they're doing to get the results that they're looking for. I don't. If you want to make your children sick, yeah, they're, they're certainly accomplishing that, which is crazy. Mm. But I think it was a, a month ago. I was down at actually the CDC for the ACIP meeting. And that's basically to vote on new vaccines or change of vaccine language. It's amazing how they, they parse over just simple lines and words. You know, uh, they're looking to do, uh, instead of three HPV vaccines for, you know, the, the women and kids who are turning, you know, 13, they want to do two of them now. But by doing so, you actually have more aluminum. It's, so uh, I haven't looked at that entire issue either. So they realize they're having trouble of children coming back for the third HPV shot. And that's probably one of the most horrible vaccines as far as the effects. It's injured a lot of kids around the United States. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done a lot of damage. Right. And so we have the Marisol, which is this preservative that is mercury-based. And you, me- yep. you mentioned aluminum. Are there other things in vaccines that people should be concerned about other than the Marisol? Sure. You have partial birth abortion, human DNA in there, or cells. You have DNA from bovine, you know, from cows, pigs, things like that. You have the medium they use, I guess, like the Petri dish, they use it to make these vaccines, comes from a gelatin. And the gelatin, it comes from, I guess, farm or wherever. I don't know all the, the science behind it, but I do know that I think there's glyphosate, which is banned in Denmark, first country ever to do that. They banned it last year. Yeah, it's in the weed killer, mm-hmm. right? Roundup made by Monsanto, is actually ends up in some vaccines. There are studies being done by Dr. Stephanie Zanuff on that, and it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's a long history here. I mean, anyone who's looked into the polio vaccine, I mean, that one was administered. Everybody, you know, if you talk to uh, you know a couple generations above my own, everybody remembers standing in lines at school, being given these sugar cubes, being get this huge inoculation campaign. Yeah. But... If you look at that, the SV40 virus, which is apparently in there because they were testing it on monkeys, which you mentioned the bovine components being in the modern vaccines, they test these things on animals. And sometimes viruses apparently cross over and some researchers have apparently equated a large, the large increase in cancer in the past few decades to this SV40 virus. That's a whole different thing, but seems to be related. Right. So if you type in cancer epidemic, I guess in 1995, you'd see it. So I lost a sister to cancer at 61 back in 2009. I lost an older brother. One was 61 and my brother was 62. He died two years ago from lymphoma cancer. So I completely with you on those issues. Mm. And that's something else I do want to look at separately. What, what is causing our cancer epidemic? Right. And it is a whole lot to look at. And you do have one thing in the book because you're trying to 
determine the safety of these metals and the human body, apparently there's a study on how aluminum and mercury in sunscreen has an effect, a devastating effect on coral reefs. And maybe that would give us some insight into how bad the problem could be for humans. Yeah, uh, some humans are tough and some people are sensitive to certain things, right? And so if you look at a coral reef, they're very sensitive. We're learning, you know, all the bleaching, the, the warming of the oceans. But sunscreen's got a, a devastating effect, I've found out. And I absolutely wanted to put that in the epilogue of my book. And the reason for it, I was making an analogy. Well, if people believe in climate change, and I do, right? If you believe in we're polluting the world, warming up the skies and everything else, if we're doing all of that and we're polluting this massive atmosphere that we have in the massive oceans, with toxins and with, with basically invisible, you know, particles from, you know, gasoline, from coal, from mercury, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Certainly we can absolutely poison a seven pound baby when they're born. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 so I'm kind of dumbfounded you have a, a group of people that says believe in climate change, but don't believe that babies can be poisoned with toxins. And I just, I'm like flabbergasted yeah. by that lack of logic. Right. I'm with you. I feel like you can extrapolate a lot from that. So now if people want to know who else they should be mad at in the story, Maurice Hilleman seems to be a good place to start too, right? Yes. Uh, he was, I think, the founder of the MMR vaccine. He was at Merck, and he had the opportunity of getting rid of thimerosal in the United States in 92. He completely ignored the uh, research that was done in Sweden, Denmark taking action, and they basically shoved it aside. Mm-hmm. That's the early 90s. And Maurice passed away 2008 or 9, I believe. Then if you look at, in 1999, two of the vaccine makers basically sent letters to CDC saying, look, we can actually make vaccines without thimerosal. For whatever reason, the CDC chose not to, hmm. which is absolutely crazy if you think about it. It is crazy. It just, it makes absolutely no sense. And they, they didn't do it. So we still have thimerosal. So even though they said they take thimerosal out of vaccines, they have not. Thimerosal is still used in a process. They strain it out. And if you look at a, a vaccine shot today, you, you, on a label it says thimerosal depleted. It doesn't say removed, doesn't say free. It says depleted, meaning they, they move most of it, not all of it. And uh, yeah, of course, we talked about there being several people involved here. But to stick with Maurice Hilleman for a minute, this is from his Wikipedia entry. It says he was an American microbiologist who specialized in vaccinology and developed over 40 vaccines, an unparalleled record of productivity. Of the 14 vaccines routinely recommended in current vaccine schedules, he developed eight. So obviously he's very instrumental. This guy's a major player. Yep. And it seems from your book that the reason he was able to have such a, quote, unparalleled record of productivity is because he's nothing more than a Merck agent who rubber stamps vaccines without much testing. That's correct. I mean, the vaccine court, you know, the 1986 Act 30 years ago really gave a license for the vaccine makers to basically pump out more vaccines. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they give them a license to. And so now the CDC, together with, absolutely together with uh, Big Pharma, behind the scenes, in my opinion, is, is you know, find the next boogeyman, which is Zika for now, be something else next year. Mm-hmm. They're always looking for the next thing. Like, for instance, last year when they missed on the flu season, so they, they missed on the type of flu, the strain last year. So the, the CDC came out and through the press says, you should take it anyways. If it's not going to work against the flu, why bother? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't get that. I'm with you. How's, that, how's it going to help you if I get a shot? I, I don't understand that at all. Right. Just take our product anyway. Who cares? It doesn't do what we said it does, but, you know, buy it. Correct. Mm. 
And you mentioned vaccine court and people should know about this too, because there's, there's protections from liability with these vaccines and they have paid out for some reasons, but because of this specific data, people who get autism as a, as a result of these vaccines, they have no legal recourse, right? Very little legal recourse. In fact, there's a father of an autistic kid who's a good friend of mine, Wayne Road, who's also published a book called Vaccine Court by my publisher, Skywars Publishing. And Wayne and I are going to do a very detailed couple of articles coming up in December together. Hmm. And it's going to be on the 30-year history of Vaccine Court. And what, what he's learning today, he's able to get a lot of information and other information the government refuses to give. So, for instance, if you are a government employee, you go to college, you, you sign all these applications, you're always told, you know, what's your race, right? What's your culture? What's your background? Whatever. Male, female, go through the gender, the whole thing. In vaccine court, they do not, for, for people to put the application, they, they don't track who's who. So you, you couldn't find out African-Americans, Latinos, Asians, white people, whatever. You, you can't find that information out because they, I guess, by design, they don't, they don't want that information mm -hmm. to be out there. Yeah. And according to the Vaxxed movie, it seems like the data they're hiding is that both African-Americans and males get this at an increased rate, it seems, right? Yes. So the males are four to one as far as autism. That's for sure. And Andy Wakefield was very, very crystal clear. So basically, CDC again changed the scope of the study. They didn't like the results from Bill Thompson. So what did they do? They counted kids in Atlanta, but not, not kids that were in Atlanta and moved out. So they basically, you know, African-American children. So they basically were able to wipe out, well, the ones that are out of state now, we don't, we're not going to track them. So they cut out 40% from the study, and that certainly had an impact on showing no association again. Mm -hmm. So here's the CDC playing literally with corruption. Right. And to uh, kind of clarify that issue, we mentioned earlier that you have to say what you're going to do up front, and you cannot deviate from the study or throws up red flags. And this is one of those issues where they were supposed to get the race of the children in this study in Atlanta from their birth certificates. Cause everybody's got a birth certificate that says what race you are, but halfway through the study, cause they wanted to obscure this data about African-American children. They decided to start getting people's race from their school records. Well, that excludes people who transferred into the state because only half the kids in the school or a smaller percentage of them have always lived in the state of Georgia. So if people come from out of state, it's not going to say race. Also, those records are just slightly less complete anyway. They don't always have something in the race spot. So yep. it's just a different place to get that information so you can obscure that data. And that is specifically one of the details of those red flags, right? Absolutely correct. Yeah. That's absolutely what happened. And they destroyed... So here, here the government officials destroyed the records also. But Bill Thompson knew something that didn't smell right in Denmark. He knows it's Atlanta, Georgia. And Thompson was I guess, smart enough at the time to save everything. So I, I've actually, I got the Thompson files with me on my computer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I don't publish them or anything. So I have them and a few other people in the United States have them outside of Congressman Posey. And it's, it's very, it's very interesting. And you, you can, you can literally see handwritten notes and stuff like that. It's, Quite amazing what they've done. It's it's like you know it's like playing a game of checkers or chess and change the rules during the match. It just it just doesn't make any sense at all. Right, and it's just got to be so frustrating for you having 
experience such a, a personal connection to this and then also having the smoking gun evidence at your fingertips. I mean, you know, what more do we need? Correct. I mean, so Agent Orange in my book is chapter five. Agent Orange is a new black. And that's about Colleen Boyle and her being the, the PI, the principal investigator for those studies. So here is a government. Congress gives the CDC in 1984 something like 71 million and seven years ago, go do all these different studies. Colleen Boyle and her team of 30, I guess, 30 scientists and another whole bunch of uh, assistants basically were, were given the go to go show the association between Agent Orange and the Vietnam vets that were dying of acute cancers and rare diseases back in the 80s. And what they did was they took the flight records of Operation Ranch Hand and they said, well, we can't find the troop movements, even though the Army, U.S. Army, had an archive of it in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I guess the CDC was too lazy or really didn't want to find out the truth, so they never made that trip to Harrisburg from Atlanta. Hmm. And worse, they quit the study two years early, and they left $20 million on the table, which was a lot of money back in the 80s. They walked away two years early, $20 million on the table, and what agency – does that unless you want to hide something and they basically hide something because they don't want to find an association mm -hmm. between agent orange and the sick Vietnam vets. And to this day, Colin Boyle writes about, you know, there's really nothing to it. Even though there's, there's Vietnam registry for 500,000 sick Vietnam vets, you know, that have listed their names on those registries. It's absolutely incredible. Right. And so you add that to the list of Colleen Boyle's crimes and it just seems like to go chronologically, they had her running point on this study for Agent Orange. And of course, she comes to the conclusion that Monsanto should be free of any kind of crimes here because there's no connection whatsoever. And this paves the way for her being, oh, we know who we can trust. We can trust this Dr. Boyle. So they get her to run point again when she's needed to clear some nefarious multinational corporations of wrongdoing with the vaccine study. Absolutely correct. So what's amazing, I guess when Boyle wasn't fired and people weren't fired for, for basically failing to do their job in the 80s, that, that obviously emboldened her. So she said, well, if I can come up with a template of find no association for Agent Orange, I can do the same thing for vaccines and autism. And basically that's what she ended up doing. God. Now she's a director. So you get promoted for, for failing to do something. You get promoted for, for corruption. And she, she's now at the very, very top one of the top executives of the CDC. God, it is wild, man. I mean, Dr. Colleen Boyle, just in these two situations, has contributed to a hell of a lot of pain for people. Has she run point on any other investigations that you know of that might fit this template? No, I just, if you go to go to the NCB Triple D website, which is a branch of the CDC, you can read up on her and see what she's doing lately. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Man, and... So to get back to kind of the main story here, you know, they're hiring this Danish guy, Paul Thornson. Uh, they found him to do the research they wanted. And is there any more to say about him and, and his background, why he was in such a unique position to be the best guy for this? Yeah, so he was very good at raising money, obviously. He was a lousy scientist. So some of the studies that, that Thorson has his name on, the five Danish studies, he didn't do any of the work. So I was able to talk to the principal investigator on two of those studies, Christian Madsen. And I was able to get Madsen to talk at the time in 2000, 2001. He was 
basically in his late 20s was a PhD candidate student at Aarhus University where Thorson was working. And he went and, and actually complained that Thorson wasn't doing any work whatsoever. Bringing money, grant money for a study is not doing work. You actually have to be physically involved to get your name on it. You either have to read a brief, contribute somehow. He never did anything. So basically, they're breaking the Vancouver Protocol. The Vancouver Protocol is an international standard on scientific honesty. And so that alone should make those Danish studies null and void. Mm-hmm. The other thing is Thorson was a lousy teacher. From what I, I was able to speak to one of his former students. And at the time, there were four classes, 40 students in each class on the same subject matter. And by the second week, Thorson was, was teaching to, to 10 or 12 kids because they were free to go to the other classes, and, and they did. So they piled up. He was a very bad teacher. He bought himself a Harley Davidson in Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is east of Druid Hills, where, where the CDC is located. He had a CDC email address, which I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm an American citizen. I don't have a CDC email address as an example, right? But he did as a foreigner. He had a CDC bank account. There's a CDC credit union. There's three branches down by Centers of Disease Control. And he was able to forge invoices. And he got letterhead, maybe from Diana Shell, maybe from, maybe just stole it outright, but he got letterhead, CDC letterhead, and was able to write different invoices from the CDC saying, you know, pay, pay this, that, pay the CDC back or whatever. So he was able to get money sent from the CDC to Denmark and Denmark sent back to his bank account in the CDC. And if you go to the Department of Justice indictment, he has 22 counts, half wire fraud, half check writing to himself. And the reason clearly why, you know, former AG Eric Holder or Loretta Lynch has never submitted the paperwork is if Thorson is ever extradited in the United States, it'd be a bloodbath. He would actually be able to, to point to all the corruption. He'd be able, he'd probably get given immunity. He'd be able to point the finger at Gerberding to some degree. They'll point the finger to Colleen Boyle, to Dinah Shandell and others. It would be very, very, it'd be very damaging. It would basically blow up the entire vaccine industry. It's also one reason why they don't want them to come back right. to the United States. Because then, then the truth would be out about thimerosal and, and autism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So here's this guy at the, you know, the center of this big conspiracy of sorts. He is taking these massive grants from the CDC to do research and he's just embezzling it. He's just pocketing that money. You mentioned him buying the motorcycle. It's a $30,000 special edition. Right. $36,000 in 2006, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Harley Davidson classic. He, he then takes 55,000, you know, here or there. And he puts a down payment on, on a half million dollar home. Right. Put down his 10%, 10% with American taxpayer money. Yeah. Very emboldened to steal all this money, but he knew that they're not going to, they're not going to extradite them. They're not going to bring them back to the States and put them on trial and air out all their dirty laundry. No, no, no. So what I believe happened, I have, I don't have the evidence on this, but what I believe happened, I believe truly Gerberding had had enough. She was on the way out. She already had her offers from Merck to become president of the vaccine industry. With Obama coming in as president in January 2009, changing of the guard, Gerberding saw her exit. She took it. But if you remember that the stock market basically had a super meltdown crash in, in September 2008. And if you go back, if you go through just the indictment, which you can find online, if you go through the indictment, you see the last two payments that Thorson made to himself were $29,000 each 
both were made by Halloween of that year. So Thorson had, you know, one more payment to himself. And then I believe she added him because the timeline goes, Julie Gerberding leaves January 20th. Paul Thorson is basically an investigation begins in February of that year at, at Oakhurst University, internal audit. They've discovered all these funds missing. Thorson resigns from the university on the 1st of March. This is by design, right? Mm-hmm. A new dean of the university, president of the university, comes in, named Jürgen, Jürgensen, I think, comes in on the 1st of April. So if you look at the timeline, Thorson continues for the next nine months to use that he still has his research group at, at Oris University when he already resigned from university. So he was able to parlay that into working at John Hopkins at Emory University. And he, the last uh, gig he had in the United States was an adjunct professor at Drexel University. He got that job in December of 2009. And it wouldn't be for another three or four months when they had to basically fire him. And I guess the good news was he was only able to teach one student. So he never really got got traction there. And so his whole world kind of collapsed. So I think the CDC is very happy to have him over there. If you ever, if, you know, there, there's still, we, we checked with the Department of Justice. The warrant is still out for, you know, for his arrest. So if you ever came to you know, Canada, United States, be arrested right off the bat. Right. That's number one. Extraditions work where if you have country A and country B, like allies like Denmark and, and United States, if you have what he did was a crime in the United States, it is, is basically a crime over in Denmark, then the extradition is pretty much straightforward paperwork process. That's all it is. And I, and I have Thorson's three addresses and I know where he works. I've added that. Even though the university, Odense University, which is between Aarhus and Copenhagen, is another university. He, he works in the, I guess the behind the scenes there. And what's, what's interesting, he's still doing studies. He still gets his names on studies. It's quite remarkable. And NIH continues to fund some of the studies. So I've had words with you know, the, the media reps at the NIH say, how can you, how can you, you know, fund a study with this guy, with this fugitive on it? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. That part blew me away. The fact that he's still working somewhat in this industry and has influence. I mean, he should be in jail, let or at least just not involved in this kind of stuff anymore. But We've also mentioned uh, Diane Schendel a couple of times, and this is yes. his girlfriend, Paul's, or well, he was romantically involved with her. I guess we can't say girlfriend. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's true now, but she works on autism epidemiology at OS University. She works at, at where Thorson is now banned from that university. She works there. Right. Thorson has a, has a condo. OS University is on the Baltic Sea. So it's got a nice, nice, beautiful little beach there and everything else. He's got a condo right there. I also know his townhouse he has at Odense University. I also know his, his girlfriend's address up in Stockholm, Sweden. So I, I, I basically, I got everything on him. <laughs> Man. So, if, so, so if Donald Trump needs help to go, go find Paul Thoris, I'll find him for him. No problem <laughs> at all. I got his phone number. I got his email address. got everything. Wow. And yeah, it seems like as soon as uh, he knew he needed to get out of the States, he did. And then eventually Diane just joined him. And now they're still working together. In the same kind of industry. Right. So she got a two-year le- letter reprimand. That is like you're, you're put on notice at the CDC. If you screw up one more time, you're basically fired. You lose your pension. So she got that in 2009. So like I said, when Gerberding left, 
Gerberding, you know, her handwriting's not on any of this. I think she basically hinted to some people, CDC, you know, you might want to look at, at Thorson over in Denmark. And by the way, you might want to give a letter of reprimand to Shendell and boom, out the door she went. And Shendell survived it. She joined Ohio University as a part-time professor in 2013. She's now a full-time professor. I tracked her down, got her nervous, threatening email. And actually, it's just my style as a New Yorker, <laughs> right? As a Viking New Yorker. And she got the, the dean of health, Alan uh, Flitberg or whatever his name is. And he actually responded. And so I said, well, good. If uh, Chanel's not going to talk to me, can you answer some questions? So I, so I basically forced the university to spend a month and you know answer my 11 questions I had for them. And half of them were wishy-washy. You're kind of dancing around. Like, you know, if Thorson didn't do any work in this, how could his name be in a study? And they, they kind of like danced around the Vancouver Protocol and stuff. Mads, Madsen brought this issue. He did no work 15 years ago, and the universe never did anything. Is that professor still there? He goes, absolutely. So I got all the information. Mm. It was very interesting. Diana Shandell's history is not in epidemiology. She's an anthropologist. She, in fact, was married to two different anthropologists. She uh, is older than Thorson, by the way. Thorson's uh, born in 61. She's born in 55 or 6, whatever year it was. And she grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. And she went to one of the uh, Florida State University there, whatever, got married very young in, in the 70s, got divorced, got married again. And eventually got her, uh, I guess, her PhD in anthropology through Penn State University or, or some college in Pennsylvania. She ends up at Woburn, Mass., in 1991, which is the famous cancer clusters of children for the two wells that were poisoned in that town north of Boston. So she was part of that you know, civil action movie with John Travolta. She was actually doing the epidemiology studies on those cancer clusters. Hmm. She was involved in it. And so when I emailed Diana Shandell, I actually, I tricked her. I basically set up a female email avatar right. and I, I posed as a female journalist, you know, that haven't written anything, uh, you know, on children in 15 years. And I'd like to interview you, about what you're doing, da, 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 follow your career, all the BS from Woburn Mass to OS University. And so they were able to strike up a conversation. She had no idea she was talking to me. And, and so she, she had one email that blurb is somewhere in a book where she talks about, well, I don't do environmental studies on children. Well, Woburn Mass was nothing but environmental. It was entirely toxin related. Entirely toxin related. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. And for people who don't know that story, what was it that was poisoning this water? Well, so you, you had the tanning leather uh, factory there. You had some other stuff. So the, the wells were just, at some point, you had all these industries, you know, basically out, out in the suburbs that was literally poisoning these two wells. Right. On. Industrial contamination. Basically, absolutely. So they're toxins at the end of the day. And so for, for her, to, her to do the corruption at, at the CDC with the Danish studies, knowing about toxins, it boggles the mind that, that she is also that out of whack or center or whatever you want to call it, hmm. that she herself has become corrupted. How do you do cancer cluster studies on Wilbur Mass? And then 10 years later, basically, yeah, you know, no, thymus doesn't cause anything, aluminum doesn't cause anything. There is no autism epidemic. It's kind of crazy. When you look at her career hmm. as it is, you know, people, you talk about wage slaves. Well, you talk about if you work for the government, you got pension slaves, right? You basically have, have to follow the lead of your agency boss or whoever, whatever agency it may be. 
and you better do your work. Otherwise, you get fired, you get fired, you lose your pension. So it's, she was demoted twice. I, I actually got her all her employment records from 1999 to 2005. I don't, you know, print them anywhere because that's, you know, based on her business, but I was able to, to review it. And it, I made a spreadsheet out of it. And there's two times she got a, a demotion salary and a demotion titles. I thought that was interesting. So what do I take out of that? You're basically, the CDC uses that as a weapon. You know, the threat of taking away your, your pension is a weapon. And so it, it forces you to, coerces you to, you know, either my way or the highway, right? Follow the program. And so she, over time, basically, you know, buckled twice, came around, and the rest is history. Right. Now, man, that's so interesting. You can basically plot on a graph and pinpoint where she compromised her morals. Yep. Potentially. Yeah, potentially, right. Allegedly. <laughs> but, I mean, I never had a chance to really interview. I was actually went up to OS University. Uh, I went to Denmark for a week in 2000, last week of May in 2015. You know, as part of the research for the book. Madison came around three weeks later, talked to him on the phone several times. He answered emails to the best of his ability, right? Mm-hmm. He went on the record. He didn't, he didn't want his name associated with Thorson at all in any size, shape, or form. So I say he was he was very respectful. He asked me to do a couple of things I, I did, you know, as a journalist, to honor certain things, right? And Shandell, I missed her by 10 minutes. I, I actually wanted to, to basically meet her. And I literally missed her by 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I went, went up to her office. I took a picture of her mailbox with her name on it, picture of her name on, on the office at OS University. And it was Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock. She had left like quarter of. So I just missed her. Oh. That would have been interesting had I interviewed her. <laughs> yeah, you're way more comfortable with confrontation than me. But, I mean, it's necessary in this case. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to do anything. She might not have talked to me. But I'm, I, I guarantee her complexion would have changed when she saw me. Oh, yeah. That much I know. Right. She would have been startled and stunned and everything else. If we're not going to get, you know, real legal justice here, I mean, at least you can spook somebody. <laughs> Let them know you're on to them. At least I did that. But I think uh, we have a, a, a legitimate shot at Donald Trump maybe saying, go bring this guy to the United States, right? Mm-hmm. You know, his son, from what I've read online, I, what I've read, his son Barron has never been vaccinated. and His kid's, his kid's totally healthy. Mm. And they did that for a reason. Right. They did that for a reason. So Barron's 10 years old, born in 2006. They... Probably, they, you know, he, as Trump said before, he's had employees with, with autistic children. He knows about the issue. He actually met with Andy Wakefield and three other people I know in August. So he knows about Vaxxed. He got a copy of Vaxxed and a copy of a couple books. So he knows about this. Wow. So we're, 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 we're reaching out to him again. That's all I can yeah. tell you. Are, are you more hopeful than if Hillary would have won? No. Hillary, in fact, I don't know if you know about this, but the CDC had a, Notice of proposed rulemaking on quarantines. And they naturally, they publish this in August when everyone's on vacation. And they give only two months to comment on it. But in the two months, 15,000 people commented, including myself, including the ACLU, including different nonprofit organizations centered around health and and stuff like that. And basically, the 88, 88 pages, the CDC quarantine, this thing would not have gone through Congress, right? They wanted basically the ability to apprehend anybody anywhere in the United States over an infectious disease. So if you had a cough or sniffle, you basically get arrested at a bus stop, 
at an airport, taken in, and you're, you've got there's no due process. They would they would eliminate due process. And so, thank God Hillary is not in because Hillary would have allowed that to happen. And if you're talking about, can you imagine like they, they bring you in to to one of these stations? You know, Department of Homeland Security will bring you in. And then I guess some kind of a doctor or a local, at a local hospital would say, how your vaccines doing? Oh, you're late and give you all five or six, seven vaccines in one shot. Hmm. So this, this is the kind of V for Vendetta movie fascism that Hillary was going to absolutely push forward, in my opinion. Right. You talk about annihilating the Bill of Rights. I've, I've written an article on this. It completely would, it would destroy the Bill of Rights. Half your amendments would have been gone. Had this gone through, and with Trump, I, I, I you know, with the, if the Attorney General is Ted Cruz, this is definitely not gone through. Ted Cruz is a constitutional, so is Donald Trump, so is Mike Pence. So this the CDC actually is an article out that the, the mood down there is depressed now. They're worried. Well, they should be, because I don't think Tom Frieden, the director, is going to be around too much longer. Here's a guy that fumbles, Ebola crisis, completely mishandles it. The nurses that got sick in the United States were wearing the wrong hazmat suits. The CDC team, so they had no protocol in place. They had nothing. CDC didn't even know how to handle this, which is shocking considering they're on the front lines of this in in West Africa. Then you have the Zika nonsense, and it's only about money. It's not about the disease. It's not about Microsoft. They care less. All they want to do is get money. So so what does Obama do? Executive order gives $300 million, $300 million to a Japanese vaccine maker to fast-track a Zika virus vaccine. They're now testing a Zika virus vaccine. And going back to my friend Wayne Road, who's the expert in vaccine court, he says, when you sign a waiver for being that guinea pig for the Zika vaccine, if you die, die, your family's got no recourse to sue the vaccine maker. So this, this is talking about a shot in the dark. That is, that is it, in my opinion. Then Congress mistakenly gives $1.1 billion more towards Zika, which is just absolutely crazy. This is only for the vaccine makers. And we're basically doing it for a disease that, that is really 80% of the people, it's mild. They don't even know they even have it. Jeez. So just as we're wrapping up here, how bad is the autism trend? What is the future looking like in that department? Because this is uh, an epidemic probably more severe than a lot of people realize. It's a lot more severe. So go back to just 2000. You, you had what, one in... One in a thousand, one in five hundred, whatever, whatever the number was, and that's exploded just in my son's lifetime. The next sixteen years, it exploded to now. You got basically one in forty-five, one in forty-five kids, and the CDC deliberately, and I will say deliberately by design, showed no increase from two thousand fourteen, two thousand sixteen on purpose. It's a, it's still stuck at one in sixty-eight in their opinion, but the reality is it's much higher than that. Mm-hmm. And if this trend line keeps going, eventually you're going to have what? You're going to have one out of 10? I mean, what cost to society does, what does that serve society when we, when we get there in 2025 or whenever it may happen? What will that do? God. Yeah. You're talking about completely damaging the, the fabric of America. That's what you're doing. It's rough. It's, it's a lot to even take in. I know you're growing weeds just so you can pull the weeds. I mean, basically that's what this is all about. For money. And just to put a fine point on it, when anybody says that classic line of this has all been debunked, you need to go online, show them Representative Posley grilling Colleen Boyle 
in Congress under oath where she says there has never been a study with non-vaccinated kids versus vaccinated kids and the rate of autism in each. It hasn't existed. So you tell me what's been debunked because I don't, as far as I know, the experts are saying the study hasn't even been done. The, ex- the study hasn't been done. Like I said, back testing data, anyone can manipulate data doing that. Mm-hmm. Doing an actual, actual clinical trial is a real study. Not going back and back testing data for the, the database where Denmark was changing their criteria for the age of autism, what is autism, you know, somewhere in hospitals, somewhere in doctor's offices and all this different stuff. And they're able, very easily able to, CDC was able to, with force himself to manipulate the data. Totally, totally fraudulent studies. Wow. Well, James, it has been so enlightening to read your book and to have you here to talk about it. Thanks for doing the work required, man. If people do want to follow up on you and your work, tell them where they can go to get the book and maybe check out other things you're doing. Yeah, sure. I actually got three books published this year. The first one was Master Manipulator. That's on the autism crisis, the CDC crisis. And you just see that. So you go to Amazon.com for that. I have a novel out called Dolphin Drone, which is uh, Tom Clancy with Navy Dolphins. And I published a book on a fake Van Gogh at the Met. And that was published in October. All by uh, Skyros Publishing, all three books. You can also go to my website, J-A-M Grunvig, G-R-U-N-D for David, V for Victor, I-G jamgrunvig.com. Go there and you could, you learn about all three books. And if you are a parent considering vaccines or if you're a parent of an autistic child, you can just Google my name, James Grunvig, and you see the articles are written or you go buy the book, Master Manipulator, and learn a lot about what's going on in the world of the CDC and our children. Good deal. Yeah, man, you're definitely doing a lot of work. I totally commend you. And on a lighter note, I did see some clips of you talking about that Van Gogh art fraud book, and that seems pretty interesting, too. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I was actually interviewed by the New York Post 10 days ago. Nice. <laughs> right in front of the painting, and artnet.com is also doing an article. They interviewed me yesterday. So that, that's, that's an interesting story. Well, it's good that they're responding to the most important aspects of your work and research. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Well, man, good deal. Thanks again. Keep doing what you do and be careful out there. All right, man. Great, Greg. Nice talking to you. Thank you very much. You got it. Boom, people. How about that? Big thanks to James. And I do apologize. I held on to this show a little long because I recorded too many shows in November and then several unexpected things happened in the world. And I added a couple of other shows to the roster. And when thinking about the release schedule, I didn't realize how often timely things were actually referenced in this show. I noticed going back over it. Obviously, James brought up Trump's win a couple times and is hopeful something might change in this new administration. I'm just cynical, and I don't trust anyone capable of winning the presidency. But, you know, I hope for the best. I want to see the CDC and Thorson held accountable and the vaccine agenda dismantled. If James is right about Trump's son not being vaccinated, then that's a decent sign. And as much work as he's put into the investigation, of course James wants to see the tide turn and justice served. But I know this can be a highly charged topic, and I hope we laid out a pretty good case for these vaccines not to be trusted. I mean, this is one issue I've thought a lot about, because if you do shows on aliens and the hollow earth, Nobody's getting hurt. But when you do episodes that cast doubt on something health-related like vaccines, you are influencing people, 
And the mainstream response is that I'm putting people in danger. I'm hurting the effectiveness of the vaccines by fueling the fire that makes people skeptical and lowers the vaccination rate. I understand that, so I do take that seriously. I don't want to give this alternative perspective just to be provocative or fan the flames if I don't really believe in my heart of hearts that there's anything to it. I think that would be wrong when you're talking about something like this. So I have spent more time trying to understand this than a lot of other slices of the conspiracy pie because I want to feel confident in my position on this one. And I do. A few years ago, I don't know if I would have had a kid vaccinated or not. I might have ultimately decided everybody does it and the majority of people are fine, so why not just go with the flow? But my mind is pretty made up now, and I do not think it's worth it. Companies with a legal mandate to put profits before the health of people, to cover up mistakes, and protect themselves from lawsuits that increase the vaccines given at a ridiculous rate and have nearly made their company's product a legal requirement. No, it cannot be trusted. James mentioned his son's problems being caused by his body's inability to clear thimerosal, the heavy metals, out of his system, I believe. And you could think, oh, well, his kid had some kind of certain condition that makes him an exception. Okay, well, does yours? How good is your child's system at flushing heavy metals? You've had them a couple of months. You should know this. Or are you just going to take that gamble? I think the corporate medical world today revolves around problem-reaction solution. And unless I find a problem on my own, I'm going to try to keep it at arm's length in my own life and the lives of people I care about as much as possible. When in doubt, let a healthy diet and good nutrition be your medicines. I also know people who would say Dr. Wakefield's info has been debunked over and over again, but today's show didn't really have a lot to do with Dr. Wakefield's work anyway. There are several different sagas that lead to the same sketchy conclusions. So I think I mentioned this in the beginning, that it is a little bit of a shorter show today, but it is very rare for that to happen, and I think it's still really informative. I hope you agree. Another thing to throw out there is that the Hireside Denver meetup was a success. I mentioned it in the wrap-up before taking off for the weekend. Last week, hung out with a couple of great friends of mine, Kyle and Zach, and we had a Hireside meetup at a place called Mario's Double Daughters, and we had just about a dozen people show up. One couple from as far away as Breckenridge, about two hours away. I met some cool listeners, Tim and Chris. And I guess I should be uh, a little careful. I know people like their privacy, but I do appreciate all you guys coming out. See, Mario's Double Daughters has a big rocket on the wall filled with a mystery concoction they call Go Fuck Yourself Juice. And it's so strong that they'll only serve a person two in a night. It's been a tradition for me to go there with friends and get one, as challenging as it can be, and kudos to the listeners who took the challenge. It was only three of you, if I remember, but you have my respect. Hopefully you weren't too sick the next day. I definitely was. I was throwing up deep into the morning, almost afternoon. Not something you want when you're only in town for a weekend. But one listener was wearing a Morgellon shirt that he had made up and brought one for me. That was awesome. Really funny design. And a couple others brought joints that we definitely took down. And I signed a couple things, one being an alien action figure. And it was a good time. Hope everyone enjoyed the conversation. Thought it was worth the trip out. 
Another listener hit me up and said that he couldn't make it to the bar, but was down to give me a tour of his grow operation. We'll just call him the farmer. But massive thanks for that, man. So much weed being grown. (laughs) Amazing stuff. He also hooked us up with a lot of flour, a big hash ball, and some concentrate. So good times. Just wanted to throw that out there. Also, a lot of you are probably familiar with John Anthony West. He's never been on the Higher Side Chats, but he's a hell of a researcher when it comes to Egyptology. Apparently, he has cancer, and there's a big crowdfunding thing going on in the Alternative Community Forum. I said I would mention it on the show. Personally, I think the money should go to sending him somewhere like the Gerson compound to partake in one of these alternative cures that seem to work rather well and are less expensive than chemo. But I really don't know their plan of attack. It's really none of my business. I just know they're having a fundraiser. I'm sure you can find out more with a little internet searching, and I hope he gets better. But bringing it back to today's show, be sure to do your research when dealing with the medical machine and only... If you get informed, will you be confident in your decisions? I don't blame anyone who makes the choice to vaccinate. But I do blame people who don't do the research on it. If you don't absorb some alternative opinions, then you really are only here on one side. But if you watch Vaxxed and you read Master Manipulator and you come to different conclusions than me, so be it. I do think uh, it's a risk you probably don't need to take. But either way, if you like the show and you support James, do pick up a copy and let Skyhorse Publishing know you appreciated them putting it out and getting him here on the higher side. That is it for me today. I have done my part. Your move, vaccine pushers, thermarosol injectors, and health hijackers, your fucking move. Have a drink and a smoke. Listen to the cast. We shine a shiny spotlight, put criminals on blast. The pinstripe men of mourning and families of finance. DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild, the kids don't stand a chance. The kids don't, the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. I said the kids don't. The kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance We're looking for the answer To questions never asked So we come to the cartwood For the higher side chats The pinstripe men of mourning And families of finance DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild The kids don't stand a chance The kids don't The kids don't stand The kids don't stand a chance I said the kids don't The kids don't stand The kids don't stand a chance We try to get a glance We're working on the numbers Resistance must advance The pinstripe men of mourning And families of finance 
DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild. The kids don't stand a chance. The kids don't. The kids don't stand. The kids don't stand a chance. I said the kids don't. The kids don't stand. The kids don't stand a chance. The kids don't. The kids don't stand. The kids don't stand a chance. I said the kids don't. The kids don't stand. The kids don't stand a chance.